Welcome to Your Personnel File, a podcast from U.S. Army Human Resources Commission. Your Personnel File explores the programs, policies, and initiatives designed to serve you, the soldier, veteran, and family member. Now, let's join our host and find out what's inside Your Personnel File at HRC. All right, everybody, a very important topic out there for our audiences, explaining the assignment marketplace process. Soldiers first, and welcome to today's Your Personnel File podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Allie Scott, where we provide a to-the-point podcast for all our officers headed into the marketplace this coming assignment cycle. You'll hear from experts from the Officer Personnel Management Directorate, but please know this podcast is for all soldiers headed into the marketplace. We'll do some myth-busting, discuss navigating the process, and tips for success as you negotiate your best assignment or duty location. And as always, let's introduce our guests on the show. Today we have Major Alexandra DeAngelis. She's the ORSA for Officer Assignments. Major Lauren Peterson, Deputy Officer Accessions Panel. And on the phone, we have Captain Timothy Yu, Captain's AG Career Manager. What I'd like to do is have our guests briefly introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about what you do and how you see the assignment cycle. All right, so I'm Major Andre DeAngelis. I am an ORSA, so Functional Area 49, and my current job is uh, I do run data analysis for the Officer Personnel Management Directorate, but one of my biggest jobs is that I help do all the background management for the assignment cycle process, so that's from facilitating movement of jobs and officers into and or out of the marketplace. And uh, I also I also do a lot of the post-processing work for that. So once the marketplace closes, I help facilitate the ability to run the uh, assignment algorithm and, and kind of things like that, and everything in between as well. There's a lot, of, a lot of things I do, but that's kind of the main pieces. And how do you see the assignment cycle? It's, it, it's busy for me in the beginning. Uh, I get less busy as the assignment as the process goes on. And then as it kind of closes, then my part in the whole process ramps up again because I, I'm, I'm helping to facilitate the actual, you know, matching algorithm and making sure that the algorithm works and functions the way it's supposed to do, or it's supposed to. Great, thank you. Yeah. Hi, I'm Major Lauren Peterson. I'm currently the Deputy, De Deputy of the Officer Accessions Branch. Um, but in my time at HRC, I have been an account manager. That's the unit representative in the Manning Conference. It determines um, which units receive allocations for the marketplace. And prior to that, I was the AIM-2 integration chief. So I taught the entire Army how to use AIM-2. I facilitated the help desk to correct any issues within the system. And then I also um, made recommendations for updates to AIM-2 and tested those before they were released to the field. Um, so um, my advice to those going into the talent marketplace is to explore all of your options. Don't just look at the location, but look at the jobs and the potentials for your future. And also uh, make sure that you're educated on the process. So we have a lot of training material available, whether you're an officer in the marketplace, a unit, or a commander. Um, you should visit the AIM-2 training resources page and make sure that you know how the process is going to work or even attend one of the live trainings that the AIM-2 team offers. Okay. Captain Yu, on the phone. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, Captain Tim Yu here, the uh, AG Captain's Career Manager. Um, I, I pretty much represent the officer um, on what they need 
We also deal with the day-to-day activity with the officer um, as they navigate through the marketplace. And the key thing that that we do is we represent the officer and their needs. So obviously uh, our priority is to get the right officer at the right job at the right time, but also to take care of the officer and their families. Um, How I see the marketplace is I think this marketplace is going to be a huge, huge marketplace for our officers. There's a lot of KD assignments out there and great broadening opportunities. Um, and pretty much the key advice I can give you is, uh, is to be an honest broker. Reach out to your career manager if you have any questions on what jobs are available in the market when you see them to kind of get their feedback and advice and to also preference all your assignments in the marketplace if it's you know 1 to 10 or 1 to 300. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. All right, thanks. So let's let's go back to one key thing. Let's start from the bottom. What is this thing called the marketplace and why did we start? Maybe for the lieutenants out there who have yet to enter a marketplace, right? Let's let's talk to those folks. So I think the key thing is transparency. Um, this allows all the officers participating in the market to see all the jobs that are available. For the lieutenants out there, they don't remember how we used to do things prior to AIM-2 and that was with a spreadsheet. Um, so now this Um, allows them to see all the jobs that might be available to them um, so they can try to better align their talent to the jobs that are available. It also makes it easier for them to contact units you know in the kind of the time before it used to be if you knew somebody at that unit you might be able to contact you know the previous incumbent or maybe your raider and say I'd really like to come here but if you didn't have those kind of connections you were kind of left out in the dark and so this new process allows you to, you know, to have contact information and an incumbent, somebody who's already in that job that you can call and talk to. And so you can find out way more about the job and even the location before you even decide that that might be something you'd like to pursue. There's mm-hmm. a lot more flexibility in this system than there was in the old one. Yeah. And I think that point, too, that Andre made really gives the officers more control over the future of their careers. Okay, great. I, I agree. Um, for those who haven't experienced the marketplace, um, you know, it opens and there's a process, right? There, it's, it's, a, it's a feedback mechanism from both the, the personnel moving and then the units who desire to hire folks. Can you talk to us a little bit about that process? Well, for the officer, uh, it all begins when you are identified as an officer who's going to be moving. Um, so in this case, this, that's usually many months in advance. And we know that things and situations change but it's very key that we identify you as a mover, or identify all the officers as a mover, because it is that identification that enables us to then choose jobs that need to also be in the marketplace, because either a person is leaving that job, or maybe the job has been empty and it needs to be filled. And so uh, that's kind of the first starting position as we identify everybody who is a mover. You, most uh, officers will receive a notification from their career manager, usually sent by somebody like Captain Yu, who says, hey, I think you're moving, is that what you are seeing on your end? And you have, officers have the option to say yes or to talk with their command and say, nope, I'm going to defer and I'd like to push my movement uh, out maybe another year or six months. Um, Once you're identified, we will generally, the officer doesn't know it, but we will generally move the officer into the marketplace and they just kind of wait until the marketplace is open. Once the marketplace is open, they will get to see the jobs that have been approved uh, and, and from HRC's perspective, the jobs that are in the marketplace are the ones that we are pretty certain that we should be filling and we need to fill in order to keep the Army running. So from the unit side, um, the units go through a very similar process before the marketplace opens. We look at their strength, it's all about readiness, and we identify 
the jobs based on the active component manning guidance, which should be in the marketplace. Also, um, the number of movers is a consideration, obviously. Um, but once the marketplace opens, every officer and unit kind of has their own philosophy on how they want to approach it. Some units and officers like to preference ahead of time um, before they start requesting interviews. Some like to um, request interviews first before they start preferencing. Um, but one of the ways in which you can kind of get feedback um, is do your preferencing and make sure that the jobs you really want are in your top 10% so that those units see that you're interested. Yeah, it's important to note that that top 10% uh, when they when an officer enters a preference and says, hey, I like this place number one or number two and number three up to a certain, you know, to that 10% of however many jobs are in their market, that it actually sends a signal to the unit and says, hey, officer so-and-so is interested in coming here. Have you thought about maybe reaching out to them for an interview? And, and units do pay attention to that information. So, and you are not fixed in those preferences. So if you can put a preference number one and if you don't think you're getting the feedback you want, you can move it out. It will stop sending a signal and you can move other ones in there. It, I should also note units are not able to see where in the ranking. It just sends a preference to everything that's in top 10%, but it does not tell which is number one, two, three, et cetera. Yeah, you brought up a key point because that, right, it's, it's, it's feedback from the units with the soldiers over a, over a time, right? So the market opens and throughout that time period of that marketplace, it's when it closes, that's when soldiers should be sure that their preferences are what they are confident about once, once they've done all that other stuff. Because when it closes, that's when it's fixed, right? Right, so um, a lot of, we get a lot of questions about the lock preferences button in uh, the talent mm -hmm. marketplace. Yeah. Um, you don't ever have to lock your preferences. So if you lock your preferences, you can unlock them. Now, for if some reason you lock them and then you click to unlock and it doesn't work, you just send an email to the AIM um, integration team and they can fix that for you. Um, but if you um, don't lock your preferences, when the market closes, we still have captured that data and so you're good to go. Yeah, okay. from my side of the job, that's exactly it. On the very last day, from the time the market closes, whatever data I have captured on that day is what will actually eventually be used in the algorithm itself. So it is important that as the market closes that you take a one final look at your preferences and make sure that they are exactly what you think they are. Yeah. Because jobs will have moved out or it, right. it happens. Right, and so I want to touch back on one key thing that both of you mentioned, but we didn't fully explain for our audience. So you talked about the Manning Conference. Right? And then you talked about jobs um, that we should fill or that we need to fill. And how do, those, how do those things sift down and show up on the marketplace? It, as briefly as you I know it's a long process, but if you could briefly explain that so, so people understand. I would say it takes some work back and forth between account man the unit and the account managers and then even someone like myself. We, uh, we have a process, you mentioned it, called the conference. And that's where all the account managers come together and the career managers come in and they talk about, hey, at the end of the market, uh, you know, I think I'm going to have X number of officers and therefore I think I need this many jobs in the marketplace for those officers. And those are further broken down into jobs that are, we call them hard-coded. So an uh, officer who is an AG officer will see AG jobs for their rank and, uh, and then um, there are also immaterial jobs and we have to calculate that as well. And all of that is considered as part of the conference. And it's important to note that there are way more jobs that uh, units would like to be filled 
than there are officers to move. And so we have to go through a process in order to determine which ones we will fill because in most cases we cannot fill all of them. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really an art and a science. Um, the active component distro chief has to make some very difficult decisions, but he has a lot of subject matter experts between the ORSAs, um, the career managers, the account managers, and then the active component manning guidance and also um, senior leader guidance to help him make those decisions. So um, it's definitely not an easy call to make. Right, and I think, and I'm not saying everyone misperceives what HRC's role and function is in that, but we have such a large part, but we're not the sole contributor or decision authority in assignments. And so, you know, we have our own specific role and function in how to put soldiers in the right jobs in the right locations. But it takes the whole of an effort of the whole army to determine what's open and what's going to be available in that next cycle. And it's probably important to note that conference is the ability for a career manager representing the officer's interests and the account managers representing the unit's interest to meet in the middle and de-conflict if there's conflicting information and to kind of try to find the right balance because you know it's not just about what the unit needs we have to make sure that there are abilities for officers to grow um, and and there are other considerations maybe what a unit is going to do in the future and so the only way to capture all of that it can't be done just by computer or it can't it wouldn't a be accurately done by a computer. We need to have people that come together and discuss this and make a final determination. Mm -hmm. And we need talent managers that know the soldiers and their specific cases. We can make sure we get them in the right locations, the right jobs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all great. I hope, I hope our listeners, um, now we've fully, I think, expressed the marketplace. Um, let's get to some of your questions. Let's talk about um, how important, at the end of the assignment cycle, how important is that preference? If you know where you want to go and you know that the unit wants that person to work for them, um, what, about, what about preferencing? So preferencing is incredibly important. Uh, there's been mention and, and it's all over a lot of the documentation and the products that you see out there. We talk about the uh, Army Talent Alignment Algorithm or ATAW. Uh, that is a, it, it is an algorithm, so it, there is no human that is, is part of it, but it is an algorithm that is specifically, has been concocted and specifically kind of tweaked to try and match what the officer wants with what the unit wants and to try and find that best balance in between. And in order to do that, we input the officer's preferences from all the jobs that they can see and the unit's preferences from all the officers that they can see. And we use that, once we have that information, there is a, for all intents and purposes, a button that runs the algorithm and from that officers are matched to jobs. And then the real work starts because running an algorithm and hitting a button is easy, but an algorithm isn't, you know, as, again, it, it's just looking at ones and zeros and, and preferences, but it doesn't know the full story. And so then the real work starts for the career managers after they hit that button because then they need to go through and make sure that those matches make sense and are feasible and, uh, and that we are meeting Army requirements. So a great um, example of what she's referring to about needing that person to do a final check is that the algorithm does not take into account if you have EFMP. It's not smart enough yet, maybe in the future, but it's not smart enough yet to know that the location you are matched to can meet your EFMP requirements. And so that's where a career manager needs to run that EFMP check to finalize um, to make sure you're good for that assignment. Tim, did you want to um, add anything to that? 
Oh yeah. Oh man. So totally spot on. Um, when the algorithm, when the algorithm like a, like runs through its process, you know, the crew manager does have a big part in that role. Um, you know, making sure Mac P is aligned, doing the ESMP checks and, you know, those parts of the marketplace is probably the toughest for us because during the marketplace, you know, we don't really get much action. Uh, officers are reaching out to units and interviewing. Um, but our biggest job is to make sure that one, that job fits that officer's needs professionally, but also meets their personal requirements. Um, you know, if they have family considerations or MAC or EFMP, we make sure that, hey, like those meet all the requirements for that officer. And then we have to change how the algorithm runs after that. Um, I mean, I don't really have much else to say on this because Major DeAngelis and Major Peterson just is spot on on this. Right. So I think, you know, what we should take from it is not every case is exactly the same. Not all assignments are easy. Um, and sometimes it takes weighing all of the contributing factors and personal preferences for how to get the best duty location and the best duty assignment for each individual person. Um, so it is very important um, to engage with on the marketplace and uh, make sure that you have your preferences so that uh, you're on the same sheet with your branch managers and your talent managers. Okay, so let's talk about the process of the assignment cycle and what is known as the one-to-one -one match. Tell me more about that. So what's commonly referred to as a one-to-one -one match is when the officer and the unit both preference each other number one. However, we like to now call that a market match. Um, in the past, one-to-one -one matches were seen as an absolute, and that caused officers to um, not preference deeply enough, um, and also units as well. So let's say that the officer decides they don't want to move anymore in that marketplace, then the unit has lost their, their number one, their one-to-one -one match. And so immediately their number two becomes their number one. The same thing can happen with the officer. Um, if they just think they have a one-to-one -one match and they don't participate in the marketplace until up until the end, um, and let's say that that job is no longer needed, let's say the officer in that job wants to extend for a year, and so that job is no longer available, well then if the officer has only used one preference, they're gonna end up getting something that they did not preference. Um, so it is a process and just be aware that we have mid-market reviews in which we reevaluate the number of officers and the number of jobs that we need to fill for that um, assignment cycle. And so the marketplace shifts throughout. So not only can your preferences change as many times as you would like, but the jobs in the marketplace do shift as well. So it's really important to preference deeply and not rely just on a one-to-one -one match. Now let's say that the algorithm matches you with your number one choice. That's great. We honor the vast majority of one-to-one -one matches or what we want to now call marketplace matches. However, there could be a reason that one-to-one -one match needs to be broken. Career managers have very strict rules um, for when they can break a one-to-one -one match. A common myth is that EFMP and MACP break up a lot of one-to-one -one matches. That is not true. It's a very small number of changes that have to be made for EFMP and MACP and doesn't even necessarily greatly affect one-to-one -one matches. Um, I've heard you ladies speak about preferencing and just how important that is. You said preference deeply. 
Um, what, it, what, it, what do we want our listeners to glean from? What does it mean to, to preference deeply? And of course, through one through 10. Go ahead. Yeah. Preference all the jobs in your market. Okay. Um, that can be difficult for some groups. For instance, um, some captains, branches, have a very large marketplace because they're a very large branch and there are a large number of them moving, especially during the summer cycles. So that can seem like a very daunting task. People get fatigued and um, they don't want to preference all the way down, but um, you really need to preference every job that's in your market so that when Major DeAngelis runs the algorithm, that algorithm has a great view of what your preferences really are. Um, because when you leave it blank, then it's kind of up to the algorithm then to match you to a job if they don't have a preference. And I can, I can add some context to that. So when in order for the algorithm to run in its current iteration, we, every single officer that is in a marketplace view must have a preference for every single job. And so that means that when an officer leaves a preference blank, maybe because they've, again, lost interest and don't really care, that means that I have an algorithm that I run that fills in their preferences. And it's based off of a number of things, but one of the biggest things it's based off of is labels that officers and jobs receive. Um, because these are ways that we can identify specific requirements, whether it's, uh, you know, I, we need an officer with a, a specific um, skill or just specific officers that are identified that would be a better fit for this type of job. And so when an officer leaves that preference blank, I run an algorithm to autofill. And what I autofill might not necessarily match what the officer truly wants because it doesn't autofill. We do not consider that maybe their first 10 positions that they'd like are all in Fort Bragg. We don't consider that. We are looking to find a job and a requirement match, not necessarily a personal preference on location match. And so uh, when you leave it blank, you are leaving that open to if the algorithm has to go that far, kind of to ran, semi-randomized choice of where you might be assigned next. And so most people uh, have a very clear-cut idea of they want this in the top and they want this in the bottom. In order to be able to get things in the bottom, you have to preference everything. There is no way for you to put your top and your bottom preferences in. So we do recommend that you preference de deeply. That said, if you would like to take the chance or the risk, um, and you really don't care where you go after a certain point, then by all means, you're welcome to leave it blank. We will, uh, we will impute those preferences no matter what you do. But we do recommend, even for the large markets, that you look, take a look at everything, and if you very clearly feel a preference for something or a non-preference for something, that you make sure that that is input because this is your one way of telling the Army what it is that you want. Right, and you hit on a couple of the key points that I wanted to make based upon what we were just discussing. So it's important for folks to build their profile and put in those KSBs, right, the knowledge, skills, and behaviors um, that we would self-attribute or if you have certifications for something, right? Those are the things you want to make sure your profile is full with, and then it's got that little, you know, red to green cycle, right? You're either 100% on your profile or you're just a little bit. Um, so folks entering the marketplace, before the cycle even happens, it's important to make sure that your profiles are built and you have in there what you can do for the U.S. Army or in your particular skill set, right? Um, for me, example, I put in there amateur journalism. That's one of, the, one of the skills that I can place in there. So when your algorithm runs, 
right? That might be one of the things that the unit has inputted as a desirable trait of a candidate. And then there you go, right? Now I'm in that algorithm to be selected over. So, so profiles, folks, right? So before the marketplace even opens, you can focus on building, um, building yourself to enter the marketplace successfully. And then our HR professionals um, are working year round to make sure that we've got open and validated positions um, and that there are soldiers out there prepared and identified as movers. And all of that fancy stuff happens during the market, right? The negotiating of the process interviews, preferences, and then the marketplace is going to close. And then there are still things that happen post-marketplace that result in your RFOs. So just keep in mind the, the totality of the process. And so uh, the last thing I want to cover, um, let's talk about some things for soldiers, uh, maybe some common myths or, or those in the unknown who might be currently weighing duty location versus a great opportunity for a job. Um, what kind of things would you like to, to tell the audience there? Yeah, so while you're looking into these preferences and, and as you're thinking through these opportunities here, um, you know, if you're looking for a career progressing assignment, um, I'll kind of talk about my experiences here. So like when I was going into the market, um, I preferenced I preference a an assignment that allowed me to walk into KD immediately, which is a great opportunity because if you can knock out your KD time faster um, or sooner rather, it'll open up your opportunities to go into a market to get a broadening assignment. And, you know, if you're choosing location over, you know, certain KD assignments, you know, you run the risk of spending, you know, a year or a year and a half on a non KD assignment, which kind of puts you behind your peers. Um, you know, as you're pressing these assignments with quick command cues, you can go into that assignment, you know, quickly knock out your KD time and then gives you enough time on the back end prior to your major board or to your next promotion board, um, the chance to go to a broadening assignment, um, which is extremely important for an officer's career progression. Yeah, good points. Um, okay, so what I'd like to do is open it up then to, to our guests on the show for any final comments that you have or any advice that you have for our listeners? I guess the only thing that I'd maybe like to add, uh, you know, we had talked about some myths and I think there's one more that's maybe worth addressing. Um, we talked about preferencing deeply and I did state that we will impute or, you know, we will fill in preferences. And so for a long time, I think there's been a myth out there that if you do not preference something that you will not receive that assignment. And the big thing I'd like to emphasize is that that's just not true. You know, I are, we, we did talk about and did discuss that if you don't fill in a preference, then we have an algorithm that will do that for you. And so I'd like to make sure that that gets out there. Not all algorithms work that way, but this one that the Army uses does work that way. And so uh, a vote of no preference is a preference. You just don't know which one it is. Okay. Um, I would say hitting again on the point of looking at all of your options in the marketplace. Um, don't just look at the precise location of the installation, but look at the vicinity. So you know, look at the 250 mile radius. You know, are you within 250 miles of a major city? Are you within 250 miles of family? Um, what's the housing market like? What's the job market like? What are the schools like? Um, all those kinds of things. A lot of units have done an amazing job over the last several cycles of developing um, hand guides for 
folks are interested in their location of all the different amenities. Um, and so there are also some assignment incentives um, out there for some locations that might be considered less popular. So it's really just the, the best for you, your career, and your family to really explore all of your options and not just kind of go with, you know, the, the one location that you really want to go to because of whatever reason, but just look at all of your options. Great. On the phone? Uh, I would definitely say one thing with, uh, you know, as you're preparing to move in the market and while you're moving the market, you know, please contact your career manager early and often and let us know what your situations are. Um, the more time that you give us as the career managers to, to kind of figure out, you know, what assignment you should get or where you should head to, um, the better chance you'll have. And also, we can't help you if we don't know what the situation is. So. Don't be afraid to call us, email us, but please reach out to your career manager and just let us know what is going on with your life. Um, because remember, like we are your advocate, right? We represent you in the marketplace. So that's all I got, Matt. Okay, thanks. Uh, a huge thanks to our OPMD team for discussing assignment preference in the marketplace and the benefits of preparing your file. If listeners have questions related to this podcast, please send a note to your talent managers or shoot us a message at the email address from our website. We're happy to hear your feedback. And as always, you can share this podcast by the link on our homepage or follow our social media. And if you like the podcast, add us to your podcast library. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Allie Scott, and I hope you come back for the next episode of Your Personnel File. Your Personnel File is a monthly podcast brought to you by the Army Human Resources Command Public Affairs Office, located at Fort Knox. Our technical support was provided by the HRC audiovisual team. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Your Personnel File.